स्वामी निखिलानंद इज अ डिसाइपल ऑफ जगत गुरु श्री कृपालुजी महाराज ही रिजाइड्स एट राधा माधव धाम इन ऑस्टिन टेक्सस व्हिच इज द यूएस आश्रम ऑफ जगत गुरु कृपालु परिषद ही ट्रैवल्स अमेरिका प्रीचिंग द फिलॉसफी ऑफ सनातन धर्म एज थॉट बाय श्री कृपालुजी महाराज इन दिस सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स स्वामी निखिलानंद एक्सप्लेन्स द थ्री पाथ्स टू गॉड कर्म ज्ञान एंड भक्ति He reveals the scriptural teachings behind each path and tells which path is the best one to follow. Describing about the path of bhakti, I told you that there are certain conditions that have to be followed if we are to be successful in doing sadhana bhakti. Keeping in mind that the goal of doing sadhana bhakti is to purify our heart and once the heart is fully purified then a god realized saint gives us god's divine bhakti so the divine bhakti is our ultimate goal receiving which we become perfectly blissful and beyond suffering forever that divine bhakti is simply a gift but to be qualified to receive it we have to purify our heart and the means of purifying it is sadhana bhakti So the conditions of sadhana bhakti according to our scriptures and saints are number 1 do not ask god for any worldly thing in fact don't even ask him for swarg and don't even ask him for mukti liberation number 2 we should be selfless in our devotion to god which means that we should simply love him for the sake of loving him because he is the only one who is ours not because we have any demand from him so number 1 and number 2 go together number 3 bhakti is independent so you don't need to supplement it with any other spiritual practice or if you are doing any other practice then it must be subservient to bhakti bhakti must be the main thing but bhakti on its own gives the results of all other paths number 4 is the one we've been working on for the last couple of days which is that in order to really do bhakti we have to develop a feeling of love for our heart in our heart for god and another way of understanding love is affinity affinity means a feeling of relationship like you are mine and i belong to you so to do that we can't think of god as god because god is so great how could we ever think of having a relationship with him so to take that godliness out of our relationship with god not that we don't respect him as god we do but you have to go beyond just respect to a feeling of loving relationship so to do that there are five modes of relationship or bhav they are called shant bhav which means loving god as a subject would love his king so that's still very different rustic saints say leave that one aside as well just concentrate on the top four which is dasya bhav where you're the servant and you feel that god is your loving master that brings you quite a bit closer to god in terms of relationship keeping in mind that he loves you the same way in return both now in the devotional stage and once you become god realized you get that divine status 
forever in the divine world. That relationship you establish now, you keep once you become God-realized. So Dasya Bhav brings you a lot closer, but Sakya Bhav brings you even closer than that. Obviously, if you think of God as your friend, being friends with someone is much closer than just being someone's servant. But it includes all the sweet feelings of servitude that's included in that feeling of friendship. Yesterday we went a step further and we started talking about Vatsalyabhav, which is even closer than friendship. Imagine if you actually loved God as your own child. There's so much closeness in that. You have, it's almost like all the formalities are gone. Krishna is yours. He's your own son. So there's a lot of sweetness in that relationship. It exceeds the sweetness of Sakyabhau and Dasyabhau. But beyond that, there's one more relationship, Madhuryabhau, which means the feeling of Priyatam, Priyatambhau it's called, or loving God as your beloved, which includes the sweetness of all the other relationships I mentioned, and it exceeds it. This Madhuryabhau, I told you, in that feeling, the gopis, who are the example of Madhuryabhau, they felt no separation between them and Krishna. They didn't know where Krishna finished and they began. They felt such a closeness with him. And a total selflessness. They only loved Krishna for his happiness, not for their happiness. And in that they experienced the supreme happiness. I finished yesterday by telling you that actually within Madhuryabhav there are three levels. C-class Madhuryabhav, B-class Madhuryabhav, and A-class Madhuryabhav. C-class Madhuryabhav is called Sadharanirati Madhuryabhav. The next one higher is called Samanjasarati Madhuryabhav. And the highest is called Samartharati Madhuryabhav. So what's the difference between these three? <clears throat> because all three consider Krishna to be their priyatam. So what's the difference between sadharani, samanjasa, and samarthārati? Sadharani, rati, madhuryabhav devotees think only of their happiness. Meaning, they want to associate with Krishna for their happiness. That being with Krishna will make me happy. That's how they think. An example of that is Kubja. Kubja was a, a saint of Mathura who worshipped Krishna with this Madhurya Bhav, but her feelings didn't hold regard for Krishna's happiness. Yet, she was not desiring worldly things from him. She only wanted his divine bhakti, but for her happiness. The next level up is Samanjasarati. They keep a 50-50 balance. They think of their happiness and Krishna's happiness. Like, oh, I want Krishna to be with me so that I can be happy, just like you want to be with a friend, right? So there's a desire to be with Krishna for one's own happiness, but also some regard for Krishna's happiness. 
So I want Krishna to be happy too, but there's some feeling of expectation that he should also make me happy. This is Samanjasarati Madhurya Bhav. And the example of this are the queens of Dwarika, like Rukmini, Satyabhama, all those 16,108 queens. They all had this Samanjasarati Madhurya Bhav for Shri Krishna. But the gopis had samarthārati madhurya bhāo, which I already explained to you yesterday. No matter what the circumstance, their only concern was for Krishna's happiness. One gopi is fanning Krishna on a hot day. Krishna is seated comfortably on a seat in a kunj. And she's fanning him. And that vision of seeing Krishna is so overwhelming. His beauty is so overwhelming that tears are starting to well up in her eyes. And then she scolds herself. And she scolds her feeling of happiness, saying that, no, 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 if the tears come, then how will I do my seva properly? I'm supposed to be fanning him. So she keeps down her own feelings in order to make sure Krishna is happy. This is the essence of this Samarthārati Madhurya Bhav. And this is why only the gopis qualified for Maharas. Remember when I first started explaining about Bhakti, I told you that <clears throat> that divine Bhakti has eight different levels. Prema Bhakti, Sneha Bhakti, Mana Bhakti, Pranaya Bhakti, Raga Bhakti, Anuraga Bhakti, Bhavavesh Bhakti, and Mahabhav Bhakti. Each one is higher. <clears throat> you are experiencing more and more richness and more and more closeness with Krishna as you go higher and higher. <clears throat> so, to understand how we would access these different levels... Dasya Bhav devotees, those who worship God with the feeling that they're the servant and he's the master, they go to the first level, Prema Bhakti. It's divine bhakti. They get unlimited ras of Premanand, but only the first level, Prema Bhakti. Sakya Bhav devotees, they go, they pass Prema Bhakti, Sneha Bhakti, Mana Bhakti, Pranaya Bhakti, right up to Raga Bhakti, the fifth level they reach to. Vatsalya Bhav devotees, like Mother Yashoda, they go one level beyond that to Anuraga Bhakti, the sixth level out of eight. <clears throat> but Madhurya Bhav devotees now come to them. The C class of Madhurya Bhav devotees again only get to the first level. Prema Bhakti. The B class of Madhurya Bhav, like the queens, they reach up to Anuraga Bhakti, that same sixth level. But the Samarthārati Madhurya Bhav devotees, in other words, those who worship Krishna like the gopis did, they reach up to Bhavavesh Bhakti and the very beginning of Mahabhav Bhakti. In other words, the highest a soul can reach, if you want to get there, then you have to adopt that Samarthārati Madhurya Bhav. Or you can just say Gopi Bhav. The Gopi Bhav means Samarthārati Madhurya Bhav. means loving Krishna as your Priyatam, which includes all the rest of all the other Bhav, 
and has a perfect selflessness in the feelings of love for Krishna. And it gives you total freedom to travel into any of the other bhao at any time. As I told you yesterday and the day before, a Madhuri bhao devotee, if he feels like it, can think of Krishna as his son, Vatsali bhao. He can think of Krishna as his friend, Sakya bhao. He can think of Krishna as his master, Dasya bhao. He can keep switching back and forth all the time, any time, no restriction. But other devotees, Vatsalya Bhav devotees, they can go into Sakya and Dasya but not up to Madhurya. Sakya Bhav devotees can go to Dasya but not up to Vatsalya and Madhurya. And Dasya Bhav devotees stay within that Dasya Bhav feeling. So, this Gopi Bhav, this Madhurya Bhav is very great. That love was so selfless. Sri Krishna says in the Bhagavatam, Naparayeham niravadya sanyujam Svasadhu krityam vibudhayushapiva Brahma was asking Krishna that, uh, you know, Putana came to you And she came with the intention of killing you. She was going to uh, make you nurse, having smeared poison on her breast. She came with that intention, yet you found a reason to grace her. You said, well, she came to me as a mother, so I'll give her my divine abode. In other words, you're so gracious that you look for any reason to grace somebody. But having given that to Putana, what will you give to the gopis who sacrificed their whole being for you, who loved you so selflessly? What will you give them? Shri Krishna thought and thought and he said, there's nothing. I have nothing bigger than my divine abode. I'll just have to say that I am Rini to them. I am indebted to them forever and no matter how long I live, I can never be free of their debt. So it gives you some idea of the greatness of this Madhuri Bhav. We can only guess at those feelings based on our own feelings in this world that we have, you know, towards friends or towards our children or towards our beloved, we can get some idea what that feels like. But the real bhao, it's different. The sakya bhao feeling you get for God or the vatsalya bhao feeling you get for God or the Priyatam bhav, the Madhuri bhav feeling that you get for God, it's different. It's much richer, much deeper. It's felt on a soul level compared to those same feelings that we have in the world. So don't think of it as a worldly relationship, but do think of it as a worldly relationship because that's all we have to go on. So you take those feelings you have of friendship or parent to child or beloved to beloved, you take those feelings and just use them in your devotion to Krishna. 
then you'll see with the grace of a saint if you have a true saint gracing you if you practice this form of devotion then you'll start to experience on your own what those real feelings of madhurya vatsalya sakhya dasya bhav are but to start with we just take as a basis our own feelings that we have in our worldly relationships and we use that as a springboard to getting the devotional experiences now this gopi prem just to give you a little more understanding of how great the madhurya bhav is and what a level it brings you to <clears throat> you see maharas ras lila of radha and krishna when they dance with all the gopis and maharas when uncountable gopis all dance with radha and krishna that is said to be the top most ras in the divine world so that's the top most goal for a soul and who gains entrance to maharas those souls who worship the radha krishna with samarthaarati madhurya bhav so now you understand that although god is one and god has many forms and you can worship him in any form but you will attain god differently based on the bhav that you worship him with only those who adopt samarthaarati madhurya bhav reach up to the topmost bhavavesh prem bhavavesh bhakti and mahabhav bhakti and only those devotees get entrance to maharas how great is this ras of maharas let's ask mahalakshmi herself she herself is mahavishnu's sandini shakti his yogamaya shakti she herself is the form of divine bliss yet after hearing mahavishnu describe what it's like when radha and krishna do ras with the gopis because she asked him one day what do you think about when your eyes are closed i see you often sitting with closed eyes like you're meditating on something what are you thinking about so he told about Radha and Krishna and the leelas they do with the gopis in divine vrindavan and what especially the ras leela is and what that ras is like and how even <clears throat> great yogis and gyanis they want to go to vrindavan abode even in the form of plants or animals in order to receive some of that ras so mahalakshmi decided i want to experience that यद्वाछयाद्वाछयाश्रीलनाचरतपो विहाय कामशुचि धृतव्रता भागवत शी वन एंड परफॉर्मड सवीर आस्तेरिज फॉर अ लॉन्ग थाइम इन ऑर्डर टू गेन एंट्रेंस टू महाराज However, Nayam Shri Ong, Nayam Shri Ong, Unitantarate Prasada, 
स्वर्योषिताशिता she wasn't able to gain entrance to maharas why not because she is sandini shakti almighty power cannot come in maharas remember i told you that where there's almightiness the ras is restricted and where the ras is in is overflowing the almightiness is drowned so mahalakshmi being the divine form of almighty goddess she didn't gain entrance to maharas so this verse said when mahalakshmi didn't gain entrance to maharas what to say of the other residents the other apsaras and devis in swarg what to say of them when even mahalakshmi didn't gain entrance yet any soul can gain entrance to maharas it doesn't mean it's difficult rohit it doesn't mean it's difficult <clears throat> it just means we have to set that as our sight we have to set that as our goal See, any soul can reach that. Don't think that one thing is higher, one thing is higher, one thing is so the highest thing must be the most difficult to reach. It's not like that. It's all the same. Whatever you want, you get it through complete surrender. You do bhakti, you purify your heart, you become surrendered, and you get that. It just depends what you set your sights on. So even though Mahalakshmi couldn't get that. we can so she was showing us oh souls you should set your sights on that thing even god shiva came when he heard krishna play his flute to announce the beginning of maharas he came running from kailash he and parvati because they wanted to experience maharas ras so parvati entered directly because she already looks like a gopi but shivji obviously was stopped that where are you going baba ji <laughs> yeah only gopis are allowed here where do you think you're going with your snakes and scorpions and uh, mandamala <clears throat> so uh, he said you please ask radha rani if i can come and take part in maharas so gopis went and asked and she said yes 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 it's fine but he has to become a gopi so he took the form of a gopi that form of god shiva is called gopeshwar mahadev so it's like shiva's other form he has two forms one as god shiva male form and he also has a female form gopeshwar mahadev and in that form he came and enjoyed maharas so he wanted to come and dance with krishna as well in maharas and experience that ras take another great personality of our brahman brahma 
षष्ठिवर्ष सहस्राणी षष्ठिवर्ष सहस्राणी मया तप्त तप पुरा नंदगोप्रज स्त्रीण पादरेणुपलब्धे तथा न मैया प्राप्ता वै पादरेण वह I did devotion for 60,000 years. I did tapasya. Why? Because I wanted to get the foot dust of the gopis. Brahma is saying that. So it tells you again how high that madhuri bhav is. How high the gopis are. And how high any soul can reach if they become gopis. Men don't worry. Men can become gopis too. See, soul is not male or female. Naivastri napumaneshu. Shvetashvatru Upanishad says, souls are neither female nor male. They can be born as male or female in any birth. And we've all been born as male and we've all been born as female. And we keep changing all the time. So we all have those sanskars of both types. So, we can also male uh, devotees can also adopt madhuri bhav for shri krishna it's no problem and you can also attain that highest divine goal but brahma said i did devotion for 60000 years to try to get just the foot dust of those gopis and i was unable to they are so high uddhav parmahans says आसामहो चरण रेणु जुषाम वृंदावने किमपि गुलमलतौषधीनाम या दुष्ट्यजन स्वजन मार्य पथंच हित्वा भेजुर्मुकुंद पदवीं श्रुति भिर्विमृग्याम Bhagavatam. He says to Sri Krishna, let me please be born as a creeper or a small plant in Vrindavan. Why? So I can get the foot dust of the gopis. When they walk by, that dust will go up in the air and it will come down on my head. He says that foot dust is sought after even by the richas of the Vedas. So here, Uddhav Paramahans, a jnani saint, is desiring the foot dust of the gopis and he says i'm not alone the vedas themselves in their personified forms because each mantra of the ved has a personified form called a richa so those mantra drashta rishis the ones who discovered the meaning of the vedas they went into their samadhi and they visualized they had the vision of each and every mantra they visualize those richas of the vedas so they have a personal form so uddhav ji is saying those richas of the vedas desire to receive the foot dust of the gopis because they are even higher than they have access to in fact when shri krishna came there were also three classes of gopis see there's more and more divisions So there were the descended gopis who came from the divine world with Shri Krishna they're eternally enjoying the bliss of rasras 
The next class of gopis, I'll get to in a minute. The third class of gopis were the richas of the Vedas that Shri Krishna graced to come as gopis. They came, those richas came as gopis and they served the second and first class gopis. And through their grace, through the grace of the first class gopis, they gained entrance to Maharas. So it shows again the greatness of this gopi bhav. Now look during Ram Avatar. When he went to Sharbhanga Ashram in Dandak Forest, he met some great devotees there. They'd been doing devotion to Ram for lifetimes. And their heart was fully purified. And when Ram entered their ashram, all of these Babajis, they all saw Ram and they all had that Madhurya Bhav and they wanted to run and embrace Ram. But Ram said, although they got the divine vision of Ram now, so they're experiencing unlimited bliss, but they wanted that Madhurya Bhav, Ras. Ram said, I don't give that Ras. Ram only gives up to Vatsalya Bhav, Ras. He doesn't give Madhurya Bhav. So he says, when I come again as Krishna, Krishna Avatare Yuyam Gopika Bhutva Mamalingatha. You will become gopis and then you will receive, then you can embrace me. You can experience that Madhurya Bhav. Also, many of Sita's friends from Mithila, they had a desire, a similar desire, to be with Sita in a more, like Radha and her Sakis, you can say, are closer than Sita and her Sakis because the Almightiness is further reduced with Radha Krishna. With Sita Ram, there's still more formality because there's some Almightiness remaining. So they had a desire to experience that Gopi Bhav with Radha and Krishna. So they also came as Gopis. So we had the top class of Gopis, the eternal Gopis, the next class, those saints of Sharbhanga Ashram and Sitajis, Sakhis, and then the third class of Gopis were the Richas of the Vedas. But both the third and second class Gopis received entrance to Maharas from those first class Gopis, Lalita, Vishakha, Adi. So we can also become one of them if we do devotion like that, if we adopt this Madhurya Bhav. But again, it's up to you. Whichever of these Bhav is most appealing and most natural to you, you can adopt that and do devotion. And through that, you can attain that level in the divine world according to your Bhav. Those who practice this form of devotion, they're doing Raga Nuga Bhakti. Raga Nuga Bhakti means doing bhakti according to the love of the Brajwasis. Just like how did Krishna's Sakhas love him? How did Mother Yashoda love him? How did the gopis love him? So when we do devotion to Krishna along those same lines, we're doing Raga Nuga Bhakti. It's a type of sadhana bhakti. Sadhana bhakti means the bhakti you do. So when you do it by adopting one of these bhav, it's called the raga nuga bhakti. I'll explain more about that tomorrow. 
Now, I think you've understood enough to get you started about these four bhao that you can adopt on the path of bhakti. There's one more important condition. It's called ananyata. This word comes many times in the Gita. Ananyashchintayanto maam ye jana paryupasate tesham nityabhiyuktanam yogakshemam vahamyaham Ananyashchintayanto maam ananya ananya cheta satatam yomam smarati nityashah Tasyaham sulabha partha nitya yuktasya yogina. Again, ananya chetaha in the Gita. Bhaktyatmananya yashakya ahamevam vidhorjuna. Gyatum drashtuncha tatvena praveshtuncha parantapa. Again, bhaktyatmananya through ananya bhakti ananye naiva yogena mam dhyayanta upasate te shamaham samuddharta mrityu samsara sagarat ityadi again from gita the word ananya keeps coming so this is the fifth condition of bhakti to be ananya what does it mean to be ananya? Naradji defines it in Narad Bhakti Sutra. He says, Anyashrayanam tyago ananyata, which literally means, in the words of Tulsidasji, ek bharoso ek bal ek asavishvasa. It means having faith, having attachment of the mind, and depending emotionally only on one. One hope, one dependence, one love, one attachment. So, ananyata means anya nahi. Ananya. Anya means other. Ananya means no other, only one. For example, look at Draupadi to understand why this is a condition of bhakti. Draupadi, when she was dragged to the royal court by Dushasan and his intention was to disrobe her in front of everybody. Draupadi wanted help. She looked to her husbands, the five Pandavas. She was expecting that they would come and help her. So where was her hope? Where was her faith? It was in Arjun, Bhimsen, Yudhishthar, those five. But they didn't come to help her because they had already given up their power by losing in that game of dice. Then her hope turned to Bhishma Pitama, Dronacharya and the other great elders of the Kuru clan who were sitting there in that court. She was thinking, surely they will not let such a horrible thing happen in their own court. But they also did not come to her aid. Then she thought, well, I'll just have to help myself. 
and she caught her sari between her teeth and clamped down hard. But Dushasana had the strength of 10,000 elephants. So he gave one yank and that sari started to slip out of her teeth and she realized, now I have no one to turn to. Then she called out for Krishna. So up until that point, when she had that sari clenched in her teeth, now look, go to Shri Krishna. He's eating dinner in Dwarika. He's got one mouthful in his mouth. He's chewed it. He's about to swallow. And he's got another mouthful in his hand ready to put in. But he doesn't swallow. He stops. And his hand stops here. And his eyes get big. And Rukmini asks him, uh, what are you doing? What, what happened? She's thinking that hopefully some uh, you know, hard piece didn't come in the doll or something. <laughs> you know, the face you make when that happens, you crunch down on something, you stop like that. She's thinking, why has he stopped? There must be something in the food. Krishna said, no, <clears throat> there's one devotee who's in a terrible situation. So she said, go and save her. Why don't you go and save her? Krishna said, I've said it a thousand times. Ananyas chintayanto maham. Yoga kshemam bahamyaham. I do the yoga kshem vahan. I take full responsibility for those who depend fully on me. Right now, this devotee is trying to help herself by holding the sardi in her teeth. So she's not depending on me. How can I come? Then when she felt totally helpless, then she called out to Krishna and then he did the Ambaravatar and he made her sari just keep extending more and more. The more Dushasan pulled, the more it extended. <clears throat> so what's the significance of this? It means that as long as we have faith somewhere else, it defaults our surrender to God. It doesn't mean you have to throw away things or get rid of things. But we have to be aware of where our emotional attachment is. Let's say someone has a lot of money in the bank. They should notice. Do I feel an attachment to that? Do I feel a pride in having that? Does that give me a feeling of safety? See, that feeling of safety... Because of what? Because of money that could be gone in a second. Yeah, you see what happens with the stock market. Things change in a minute. You can lose everything. The real estate market can crash. Your house can be worth less than what you owe on the mortgage. These things happen. So we have a feeling of safety. Like Draupadi was looking. Oh, my husbands, they will help me. Oh, Dronacharya, Bhishma Pitama. She was putting her faith in them. So we get a feeling of uh, security or safety from having money in the bank. See, that defaults our surrender to Krishna. Why should we feel safe by having money? Anything can happen to that. We should put our emotional attachment in Him. We have faith in our own strength. I don't need anything from anybody. I never put my hand out to take a hand out from anybody in my whole life. 
When the truth is, anytime we want anything from anyone, we may not put our hand out, but if we're acting nicely to get something from someone, whatever we want, that's a form of begging, actually. So we've always got our hand out in one form or another, but we say, oh no, I never beg from anyone. We have that kind of pride. So it's okay to be strong, it's okay to be intelligent, but just like it's okay to have a million dollars in the bank, but don't use that as a security blanket. All of your hope should be in God only, no matter what you have or don't have in the world. We also attach our mind to other people. Now, the people of the world may say, you mean in Ananyata, actually, if you look at exactly what Sri Krishna is saying, Anyanahi, it means one attachment, one love. Having one attachment in your mind for Sri Krishna. So the people of the world will say, that, that sounds very harsh to me. You see, in the world, nobody in the world says, love only me. You might say, well, you know, my husband says, love only me. Yes, he says, you should only love only me as your husband, but you also are allowed to love your father as your father, your mother as your mother, your friend as your friend, your child as your child. So you keep so many people in your heart in the world and nobody objects to the others being there. Yet, it seems that Sri Krishna has an objection that you should only have me in your heart. If you have anybody else in your heart, I won't come. That's what he's saying. So why is it that he is so demanding? Nobody in the world is so demanding. Well, actually, the way it works is that in the divine field, see, there's a material field and a divine field. So the material field includes both non-living and living things non-living things like your money, your car, your house, things like that, and living things like all the people that you love. That's the material field, the mayak field. And then you have the divine field. In the divine field you have God and his uncountable different forms, uncountable different avatar, uncountable names, uncountable leelas, uncountable divine abodes and uncountable God-realized saints. So, Bhagwan says, keep anybody from this side in your heart. Any avatar, any divine abode, any leela, any God-realized saint. He says, I'm happy if you keep any or all of them in your heart because if it's from the divine side, it's going to purify your heart. Now we come to the crux of it. It's all about heart purification. Think of your heart like a dirty cloth. How is it dirty? What is it made dirty from? It's made dirty from all of our past uncountable lifetimes of karma. All of that karma we've done. We've had done many bad karma, many good karma, many selfish karma. All of that is stored in here. On top of that, all of our attachments and desires, all of our sanskars, all of that is in here. Like a big collection. 
all heaped together. So when we say that we have to do bhakti to purify our heart, it's that that needs to be cleaned out. Attachments, desires, all the past karma, that's what needs to be cleaned out. Nothing else. So this is like, a, our mind is like a dirty cloth. So how do we clean it out? With clean water. You run clean water over it, it takes the dirt out and it gradually gets cleaner. So what's the clean water on the path of bhakti? It's God, his form, name, leelas, virtues, abodes, and saints. They're all should. They're all divine. So if you bring them into your heart, your heart gets purified. In other words, if you attach your mind to them, your heart gets purified. And if we attach our mind anywhere in the world to any mayak, non-living or living thing, then we're adding more impurity. So that would be like taking that thing that we just put pure water over and then running muddy dirty water over it. It got more dirty. You made it clean for a little while, then it got more dirty. So someone may say, what, you're calling the people of the world impure? No, no, people are people, it's fine. But you see, the same situation we have in here, right? We want to clean this out, our antahakaran. The people, other people in the world who are under maya, they have the same thing on the inside, what we have. And you get the qualities of whatever you attach your mind to. So if you attach your mind to any other person under maya, you're getting what's in their antahakaran, so you're getting more of what you're actually trying to clean out. <laughs> you're getting more impurities into your heart. Whereas if you attach your mind to God, you're cleaning all of that out. So we are all in the same boat. We all have an impure antahakaran, and we need to purify it by attaching it to Shri Krishna. So we have a huge amount of variety of what we can choose from. All his different forms, his different leelas, so there's no shortage of, uh, you know, forms to attach your mind to. But if we attach our mind anywhere in this world, then we're just bringing more impurity in. So this is the science behind why we have to become ananya. Now on the last day, I'm going to bring up a question right now that I'm going to answer on the last day. The question is, if I am not attached to my family, will I be able to do my duty to them properly? And the answer is yes. In fact, you'll do it better, but I'll explain why on the last day. So our scriptures tell us, be ananya. Attach your mind to God and do your duty in the world. Physical duty in the world and mind attached to God. In other words... Your pyar should be for Bhagwan or Sansar me Vyavahar Karo. We do the opposite. We love the world. Pyar means love. We love the world or Bhagwan ko Vyavahar dikhate hain. We show some formalities to God while keeping our mind attached in the world. We do the exact opposite of what the scriptures tell us to do. They say, no, Bhagwan doesn't care about your vyavahar. He doesn't care about the physical movement of your body. Give him your heart. 
and give the world your body. So do vyavahar in the world, even with your family. Do proper, good vyavahar with everybody. But pyar is only for Bhagwan. This is ananyata. Now, all of you sitting here understand what I just said, and you all understand the reason for it, but most of you are thinking, that sounds really difficult. So remember I said, when I started talking about the first condition of bhakti being not asking God for any worldly thing, I said, if you are able to do that, then you go to the next level. I gave a, a sports metaphor. I said like in the uh, in track and field in the Olympics, if you're in the 100 meter race, first you have to run a heat. So on the path of bhakti, everybody is qualified for that, that first heat. Everybody can come. But who gets out of the first heat into the semi-finals? The one who makes that decision, I'm not going to ask God for any worldly thing. If you don't make that decision, you're disqualified in the first heat. If you make that step, okay, I'm not going to ask him for any worldly thing. Then you go to the semi-finals. So who gets out of the semi-finals? The one who understands and accepts the importance of ananyata. See, it's a little bit harder. <laughs> to accept that is a little bit harder and a little bit scarier. Because you think, oh, all my worldly attachments? Now, it doesn't mean you have to try to cut those attachments. It just means you have to make an effort to become more attached to God. Understanding that worldly attachment only leads to further bondage. You see, your attachment is like the locomotive that pulls the train. The attachment is the locomotive and you are just riding on one of the cars. So wherever the train goes, wherever the locomotive goes, that's where you're going to go. So wherever you're attached, that is what you're going to attain. So if you want to attain the world in your next life, then remain attached in the world. And if you want to attain God, then you have to become ananya. Now the practice of bhakti gradually makes us ananya. No, none of us sitting here right now is fully ananya, otherwise we'd be God-realized. The moment you become ananya, you get God-realized. So by practicing, we become more and more towards being ananya. It doesn't happen immediately. But to be able to do that, we do have to want to become ananya and we have to try to become ananya and we'll gradually move in that direction. So the uh, practical aspects of that we'll keep talking about over the next couple of days. I'll talk more about the specific practice of bhakti. There's one more thing about ananya that being uh, ananya that you can consider that it also includes the devatas, the celestial gods. Sri Krishna says in the Gita, "Ye pyanya devata bhakta yajante shraddhayan vita te pimame vakanteya yajantya vidhipurvakam." He tells Arjun that those who worship Indra and the other celestial gods, whatever they get by worshipping them is given by me only. 
And they are worshipping me indirectly because these celestial gods are my employees. Even though they're only Mayak beings, in fact, all of us sitting here, we've gotten a chance to become Indra before. It's just a seat in the celestial abode. If you do enough good actions, it's like becoming elected president. You get a term, and then after that, you're thrown back here. Just like the president leaving office. <clears throat> so, Sri Krishna says, even though they're only material beings, but by worshipping them, you are worshipping me indirectly because they're my employees and whatever they do, they do with my power that I've given them and whatever you receive by worshipping them, I give you through them yet, those who worship the celestial gods do so out of ignorance because Yanti Deva Brata Devan Pitrin Yanti Pitri Brata Bhutani Yanti Bhuteja Yanti Madhyajino Pimam. If you worship the celestial gods, the most you can get is going to Swarg. So why would you want to go to Swarg? That's under Maya. You know that. It's just a different level of Mayak enjoyment. Gayanti Deva Kilagitakani Dhanyastuye Bharat Bhumi Bhage. It is said that even those celestial gods praise the luck of those who are born on this earth planet in India in a human form because they have the best chance of finding out about this spiritual knowledge and then following the path to God and attaining God. So those celestial gods wish to be born as human beings. So imagine we're human beings and we're worshipping them and they're waiting for their next chance to be born as humans. So it is out of ignorance if we worship those celestial gods. Yathataror mulanishe chanena tripyanti tatskandha bhujopa shakha pranopahara chayathendriyanam tathaiva sarvarhanamachyutejya. The Bhagavatam says that worship supreme God. Don't worry about worshipping all Devi Devtas. Why? It gives an analogy. Let's say there's a big tree. And the tree has roots and a trunk and big branches and smaller branches and smaller branches still and twigs and then many, many leaves. And maybe it's the type of tree that also has flowers and fruit. So all of these different parts of the tree are nourished if you simply put water on the root. Just put water on the root and the whole tree is happy. The trunk, the roots, the branches, the twigs, the leaves, the flowers, the fruit, they're all happy if you just put water on the root. But if ignoring to put water on the root, you sprinkle water on the leaves and the flowers and the trunk and the branches, then the tree will shrivel up and die. Similarly, by doing bhakti to Supreme God, by doing bhakti to Bhagawan, 
all of his powers are satisfied the devi devatas the celestial gods and goddesses they are all his powers they are satisfied automatically if you do bhakti to shri krishna but do bhakti to everyone else and don't do bhakti to bhagwan and nobody's happy <laughs> even those devi devatas are not happy but if you worship their swami if you worship bhagwan then they're totally happy they say no no you don't have to do any pujan to us we're fine you're worshiping our master so this is also part of ananyata is not attaching our mind anywhere in the world or in swarg by doing devotion to any of the devi devatas don't worry that they're going to get angry or put a curse on you or something would they dare you're doing devotion to their swami bhagwan shri krishna would they dare say hmm like indra you know <clears throat> when he he got a little uh, out of place when shri krishna said no 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 don't do pujan to indra he's just a celestial god then krishna had to put him back in his place so the same thing would happen if any devi devata tried to say hey what are you doing you used to do pujan to me and now you're only worshiping shri krishna how dare you don't worry shri krishna will take care of that devi or devata for you <clears throat> not that it would happen but if it ever did so you see that ananyata is also a part of this path and regarding ananyata we also have to understand about when we talk of supreme god supreme god also has many forms so part of the path of bhakti is focusing on one of his forms and progressing along that line so how that works how you choose a form and is it okay to change forms and will one form be jealous of another form we'll talk about all of those questions tomorrow when we get deeper into the actual practice of bhakti which is like the final see everything i told you today is prep everything i've told you up until today is preparation knowledge that you need to know how to proceed and a couple of the more important points i told you not asking god for worldly things that will get you out of the first heat and into the semi final to get out of the semi final and qualify for the final you have to accept the importance of becoming ananya and if you want to win the race then you have to actually run in the race in the final so running in the final means practicing bhakti every day and that is what we're going to cover in detail in the final two days of this series tomorrow and tuesday